Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this is your weekly podcast for and your official source for a lack of insight and basis opinion. Today is March 31st, 2014. That day seems familiar. Wait, let me check my calendar. Oh, right. oh yeah. It's a religious holiday. Yeah, religious holiday. This is episode 71. I am Scott Big Boy Magnus, and I'm here with my co-host, Jake. What do you, what do you want your name to be? Jake is fine. Jake is fine. Okay, Jake English. You can find us at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You should also check out the Baltimore Sports Report Network. You can find that at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. Check us out at iTunes, on Facebook, on Google+, Plus for anyone that's still using that, and on Twitter at birdseyeviewbal. Check us out at the various other aspects of uh, obtaining our podcast, such as Miro, Stitcher, Double Twist, Creamsicle, Ice Cream Sandwich, and all kinds of odd exotic foods uh speaking of which um you know go to our website at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com click the amazon banner purchase some cool orioles gear or you know whatever you know amuses you or enjoys you and uh help support and keep the lights on for our establishment jake happy opening day happy opening day to you as well is there anything better than opening day um no i can't really think of anything that's better than opening day it's just well, Ravens opening day, I guess. Maybe playoff baseball. But that that's getting awfully far ahead of it's ourselves. Awfully awfully ahead of ourselves. One might say I'm even drinking the orange Kool-Aid today. What kind of what, how do you make an orange Kool-Aid? I have no idea. Well, let's with that. Let's go to the drink of the week. So, Jake, what are you drinking right now? Uh, well, <clears throat> I'm actually drinking uh grapefruit juice cuz it's 9 Whoa. in the morning. What? Grapefruit juice. Yeah. So, usually we we record this podcast in the evening. On Monday nights, after a long day of work, I'm ready to uh, pop open a cold one. But I just woke up, and I figured I would do a little hydration before we went downtown. That's going to be a very bad podcast, everybody. So uh, I'm going with, actually, I've already had, I had an orange juice with a splash of gin this morning to start. Oh, you just have to one-up me. See, now there's a story here, because last year may have been a little... uh, a little lubricant. Okay, hold up on the, that. The, we'll we'll get to that story, okay? Oh my. We'll get to that story. We're gonna talk opening day a little bit later, but before we get to that, I want to go through and talk about the medical wing. All right, let's hear it. Okay. So we've had a various amount of players assigned to the fifteen day DL. Manny Machado was put on the DL like we had talked about. Um he was put on there on March twenty fourth. So when he comes back, that'll be retroactive to that point. Francis Peguero starting on DL, Michael Amanzar starting on the DL and what is this? Nolan Reimold is going to be on the DL? That seems like it shouldn't be news, and yet people are surprised. Um, other individuals that are going on to the DL was Egmer Escalona, who is going on to the 60-day DL. 
which is interesting that the Orioles even want to keep him. But I guess they said if we're going to give him a salary, we might as well keep him. Sure, there's no reason to throw him away if you can stash him on the DL. Well, right, and they had to basically put him on the 60-day DL in order to free up a 40-man roster spot. So I feel like he was a depth signing anyway, so it might as well establish right. the depth. Um, other interesting news, Johan Santana. It looks like he may be a little bit more ahead of schedule. Um, if Johan Santana is able to give us anything, um, even being a fist starter or just being a relief pitcher, that's going to pay dividends out in the second half of the season. So sure. I think we all talked about that when that signing was happening, but to actually see it almost like look like it actually could happen is uh, very encouraging. Hey, they, they rolled the dice and hopefully it works out for him. It's a, it's a low cost move. I say do it. The biggest news coming into today is with Nick Markakis. Um, he basically came across with a stiff neck going up to Norfolk on Saturday and uh, his uh, status for today is questionable. In fact, uh, that has basically led to Buck not having a lineup posted. And he's got two different lineups, one with and one without Markakis. So it'll be interesting to see what news we get about Markakis. And knowing we just said that, it'll probably be instantly posted to Twitter by Brittany Giroli saying, oh, this is what's going on with Markakis. Don't, don't they have really nice, really nice planes? Like, are they flying Aeroflat from Sarasota to Norfolk International? You think they took a plane? Yeah. I think they just took a bus. <laughs> no, that's guys like Alexi Casilla. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Poor Alexi Casilla. Too too soon for too the bus soon. jokes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that's basically all that's going on in the medical wing. Um, I'm sure there'll be further updates going forth um, that, you know, injuries will pop up. So, uh, well, the we, Orioles do love to ruin our podcast. So on the day that we record, there's absolutely news out the wazoo right before we hit the button. But because we uh, preempted them and we're recording in the morning so that we can get downtown, I'm sure that instantly as soon as we put this out there there will be something that comes out well you know when uh, news comes across it's normally across one form media so uh let's go to uh, this week on the twitters this week in the twat if you will um an interesting tweet that came across from major league baseball public relations uh was that the they have announced jointly with the major league baseball players association that they have significantly improved and that's their words the joint drug agreement now there are some really interesting highlights here the first and foremost is that they've upped the penalties so um instead of 50 and 100 and then uh, 162 um they've actually upped the penalties to uh the first violation is going to be 80 games 80 games the second violation is going to be 162 game uh, suspension and that actually is 183 days of pay yeah that's basically to prevent the johnny peralta coming back and playing in the playoffs as well so he's not eligible for the postseason as well right and then the third penalty is a permanent suspension you gone i think that's great i think it's great um i personally would like to see the elimination of the first aspect and just basically make it a two strike aspect where you basically are suspended for an entire season under the first penalty and then the second one is you're gone from baseball. I think if you get caught twice, yeah. I think it's basically you're but gone. But you and I are not the problem. The problem is the Major League Baseball Players Association. And you and I have talked about this ad nauseum. I think that there is a changing culture going on amongst the players about wanting to get as even a playing field as they can. Because these guys are not just you know racking up the stats. They're racking up the dollars. Whereas the guys that are playing clean are having a harder time doing that. So I think this is a great step in the right direction. I totally agree with you. I think this is a great first step. I just wouldn't be interesting to see whether this goes further. And I think that there's going to be continuing call out um, just to basically move this farther and farther along. But I think eventually we're going to get to that two-step process of season permanent. I think it's great. Yeah. In addition, they've also upped the number of um, of specimens they're going to take for both 
blood and urine to uh, to do HGH as well as steroids. So I think that's that's fantastic. Chris Davis loves giving specimens. He does indeed. Uh, why don't we move on from there, Scotty? Why did I see so much on Twitter this week about the city of Montreal? Uh, well, there was an exhibition held uh, between the Mets and the Blue Jays in Montreal, um, and there are. 45,000 tickets sold and then 50,000 tickets for the next game after that. So it was a two game series. Uh, it's impressive because again, you're seeing baseball back in Montreal. You mean the sport didn't tell them to build a museum? No, but I guess it's great. But at the same time, they're French Canadians. I really don't have any respect for them. Well, I, I mean, if I'm Tampa, I'm nervous. If I'm a Tampa Bay Rays fan from Florida, I'm nervous. It's basically baseball saying, look, we have other options. You guys figure out your stadium issue. Yeah. All right. There's always Australia. <laughs> There's always Australia. Now, here's something on, on the Twitter that I thought was interesting. We had a player announce his own roster move. Okay. Johnny Manel cleared waivers and tweeted it out. And a little while later, Eduardo Encina from the Baltimore Sun, who should be in the know for these things, tweeted out, catcher Johnny Manel Jr. just tweeted out that he had cleared waivers. Hashtag Orioles. Really? So we're going from instead of the club announcing things to the players on Twitter? You know, it saves some money in terms of uh, personal relations and communications. All right. Uh, one more thing from me before we get before we get uh, on to better things. Uh, Bud Norris, I'm going to beat him up a little bit about this. He tweeted out, uh, this is a couple days ago, good to see the at Norfolk Tides fans out in full force. Off the Balti we go. Balti? 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 Nobody calls it Balti, but look, I know that you're a Texan. Uh, you're not a native Baltimorean, but we got to work on this. All do, right. Do you think the Russians call it the Balti Sea? It's possible. Okay. It's possible. Just crush you. Um, but Norris, <laughs> we really. just invade Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've got to fix this. All right. It is not Balti, Charm City, Mob Town, whatever you want to call it. Not not Balti. I, I kind of agree with you, and I kind of disagree with you. It's actually okay to say Balti. No. Know why? No. Do you know why? Why? Because of Baltimore. Oh, God. <laughs> Lastly, from the twat, finally, the Orioles finalized their roster. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're jumping ahead again. No, it's on the Twitters. Look, I... there are three straight tweets from the Orioles. They gave us the pitchers, they gave us the position players, and then they gave us the, the DL. Well, that's great and all, but we already need to go into further depth from what, uh, just a list here. So I'm going to ask us to take a quick break. We will come back, and we're going to go through this roster and... uh one of us is going to be right, and one of us is going to be wrong about who correctly predicted this roster. Okay. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Line up, everybody. It's time to go outside. outside. Come on. Outside. Outside, everybody. Outside. Line up, everybody. Line up. Line up. Line up. My God. You know, Scotty, you get a lot of great stuff from the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Fantastic shows that, that have their own voice, that, that have a real depth of knowledge for the Baltimore Orioles and Baltimore sports in general. But it's here at Bird's Eye View that you'll find intros that include the bubble guppies. What the hell was that? <laughs> uh, I, I, I have no excuse. They're like walking around outside, but... They're underwater? Yeah, I've never understood. Anyway, we should probably talk about lineups. So, with this year's club, 
As with most of them, there are a few surprises. The 25-man roster has been formally announced, as we discussed earlier. Let's just run through this real quick. Um, the outfielders, really no surprises there. You've got Lowe, Jones, Marcakis, as well as Cruz and Pierce. Also, because of Nolan Reimold going on the DL, you had Delman Young make the club. Infielders, Weeders, Davis, Lombardozzi, Hardy, Flaherty, and Clevenger. Really no surprise, but the real surprise... The Jonathan Scope made the club. Yes, that's definitely a big surprise that Scope made the club. I think Scope and Meek are the two biggest surprises coming into the spring training. You know, Lombardozzi, you couldn't predict it because that was a trade during spring training. But there's no way in the world that, you know, we would have thought Scope came in here. I know people were asking us earlier this, you know, in February saying, well, what's the possibility of Scope? And I basically said, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. So the, the pitching rotation rounds out with Tillman. Uh, Jimenez, Chen, Gonzalez, and Norris. And then the bullpen works out to be Hunter, O'Day, Webb, Brian Mattis, Zach Britton, Josh Stinson, and Evan Meek. Meek was a big surprise to me. Meek was a huge surprise to everybody. I think you know, Josh Stinson's a little bit of a surprise, but again, having no options, it kind of makes sense. But Evan Meek is just like, whoa. That just shows you the aspect of if you're able to perform on this team, Buck and Duquette are going to reward you for it. Absolutely. Well, uh, we, as you may remember, predicted the opening day roster. Um, in 2013, I was damn near perfect. I got 24 out of 25 right. <sighs> Neither one of us had a particularly <laughs> good showing yeah. this, this year. Um, I, I pulled 20 out of the 25 correctly. You pulled 19 out of the 25 correctly. To be fair, I specifically picked Johnny Manel in order to go against Steve Clevenger so we could have a discussion for catcher, but I really wanted Steve Clevenger to win. Oh, I see. So now, now you're saying you didn't really lose. You lost because you wanted to have a point of discussion. Look, I'm just glad that I basically made that decision because making me lose allowed it to actually give us a clear-cut winner so that we could start out the season legitimately. You're such a hero. Yes. Yeah, yeah. great. It's the sacrifice that I make. All right, well, let's talk about the announced opening day lineup. Here is what Buck Showalter has said about his opening day lineup. Yeah, this is where we would talk about the lineup, but there is no lineup. As we mentioned before, the Orioles have not released a lineup because we're still waiting on Nick Marquez's his status to be released by the Orioles, whether he will actually be in the opening day lineup or not. Nick Marquez, you're screwing up my podcast. Get it together. Um, so, Scotty, let's do this. Why don't we break it down this way? You're Buck Showalter. You got two lineups to write up. Write me up a lineup with Nick Markakis and write me up a, a lineup without okay. Nick Markakis. I, I think Nick Markakis is going to be in the lineup. Okay. It, it would take an awful lot, I would think, for him to be out. I think, it, he, like I said, he would want to go back in there as much as he can. And the fact that he said on Saturday that it, it was a normal game, he would be out there and playing, I think he'll be in that lineup, especially for opening day. My opening day lineup goes as this. Nick Markakis in the leadoff position. Okay. You agree with that so far? Yep, I'm good. Okay. J.J. Hardy in this number two hole. Yes. Okay. I am going to go with, I. this is my prediction, I'm going to go with Adam Jones in the number three hole. Yep. I would probably put Chris Davis in the number three hole if it were me. Let, go through your lineup. We'll talk about that because okay. I, I want to get to that. Chris Davis in the number four spot. Yep. Nelson Cruz in the five spot. Love it. Matt Wieters in the six spot. Uh, don't love it, but okay. For the aspect of J.J. Hardy being in the number two spot, I think Wieters actually benefits by going in at number six. And also, Matt Wieters also done a pretty decent job against Lester in terms of matchup potential. So, Well, I'm not the manager, so I'll allow it. Keep going. Okay. Um, the next person I'm going to go with is Steve Pierce. Is he your DH or right fielder today? 
Oh, no, Mark Hick is in the lineup, so he's your DH. He's my DH. Okay. Um, next person I'm going to go with is... Uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, Lombardozzi next. Okay, starting at second base? Starting at second base. All righty. Um, and then I'm going to go with... That leaves Mr. F uh, at third base, correct? Yes, I'm going to go with Mr. F at third base. I don't think Scope is going to get the call today. Okay. Um, I, I basically uh, think that Scope will make the, the the lineup today because he's a righty, um, because Lester's on the mound. The Bucks probably going to want to stack the righties as much as he can. Uh, but, uh, you know, I can't really take too many qualms with your lineup. Here's what I would do. There's a possibility that Scope could also play third, and they could just put Flaherty on the bench since he's a left-hander. It's true, but I don't think that they're going to bench Flaherty. I think that he's basically cemented himself as a starter. Okay. Here's what I would do without Marquez in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Without Marquez, I would sit Jonathan Scope and start uh, Lombardozzi so that I could put him in the leadoff, leadoff hole. Because without Marquez, we don't really have another leadoff hitter other than maybe David Lowe. What about J.J. Hardy? As a leadoff hitter, no thanks. Oh, he's actually had leadoff potential before in the past. Yeah, but his OBP does not make me warm or fuzzy. Okay, I, I understand that. But also the fact that he's been batting in the sixth or seventh hole predominantly through other seasons, J.J. Hardy does have a history of doing well in the leadoff position. Great. You know, Nolan Reimold also hit leadoff hitter for whatever number of games he played last year. I'm not that interested. If it were me, if I were Buck Showalter, I would start Thank Steve. Thank God you're not. I know, right? <laughs> hey, I'd like our guys too. I'd start Steve Lombardi like and I'd lead him off. Then your lineup would, would be very similar. I'd have Hardy in the two-hole. Yes, I'd do Jones third. I'd have Davis uh, hitting cleanup, followed by Nelson Cruz. At this point, I would put Steve Pierce in right field because Mark Higgins is not in the lineup. I would hit him in six, put Weeters at seven, and then put my the rest of my infielders there, however you, you want to set. I just pulled up J.J. Hardy's uh, leadoff uh, on-base percentage. Uh-huh. 295. Okay. Yes, you're probably right. Yeah. yeah you're probably right. right. Okay. So anyway, it's a good thing we're not uh, Buck Showalter because I think we've proved without a shadow of a doubt that we're not really good at this. We have a lack of insight. We're really good at talking about sports, kind of, but we're not really good at Making decisions? Yeah. Good decisions at that, too. So, again... But if you need to be second-guessed, that's our job. The lineup is going to be what it's going to be. I think it's going to score a ton of runs throughout the season, regardless of how it's stacked up. I think we've got a lot of potential there. I want to go back to something that that you've been championing, and that is to put Chris Davis in the three-hole. And a lot of people, when you say it, uh, call you crazy, but I want to just give you the the opportunity to, to kind of defend that. Sure. Well, I think I've mentioned this multiple times. I, I think it's really interesting to put Chris Davis in number three spot because, again, he gets a lot more plate appearances throughout the season. I'd also come back to the aspect of look at, you know, other players in the major leagues, such as Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera has been batting in the three spot and, well, really hasn't seen any lack of production there. The ability for him to come up in the first inning allows him to knock in, you know, maybe one or two guys. Yes, it doesn't make give the possibility of saying, oh, you have a bases loaded opportunity here for your cleanup hitter. But really, is that really the way that we're going to go about business every single time? I'm really looking to look at the aspect of more plate appearances gives us more runs created, leads to more wins. And, I mean, to that thought, that simple thought, and here I am, the the, the baseball guts guy talking yes. about it simplistically. But, you know, if you've got the bases loaded, do you care if it's Davis or Jones that's up? Not really. I mean, come on. No. You're just you're looking at that aspect of 
okay, get a hit. Let's get some runs in. I, I think that, that Chris Davis, I'm sorry, I think that Adam Jones can do a few more things than Chris Davis can at the plate. And the fact that swing I, at the outside pitch, <laughs> I think that Jones, and it started. I think that Jones can do something like lay down a bunt for a single. I think that Jones can provide some speed on the, on the base pads. So I like him at three rather than four, but I've, I've watched you have this conversation plenty of times where people call you nuts. And I just want to say, I don't think you're crazy. It's not a terrible idea. Oh, I know I'm not crazy. I just, whether people think I'm right or wrong, that's another aspect. It's just a different philosophy. I just think more plate appearances leads to better things for Chris Davis. Well, by the time the, the uh, lineup is announced, you and I will be at the bar. I don't think we can beat this into the ground any further. Scotty, let's go ahead and talk some opening day. All right, folks, we'll be right back. Yes, folks, today is opening day. It is a spring rite of passage. Regardless of how terrible the Orioles were in the past, opening day has always been the day when it's okay to strap on your orange-colored glasses and celebrate the Orioles. Everyone has an open day tradition, whether it's wearing a lucky tie to work or taking the day off and spending it at a bar. For the past couple of years, we've been lucky enough to uh, be season ticket holders and go. So we usually take the day off and spend the morning doing charity work and Bible study and going about preaching door-to-door. At your local establishments. And then we normally grab some lunch before the game. Um, usually have a chance to spend time with our fathers or parental figures. And uh, we go to our normal stomping grounds such as Pickles, Camden Pub, Diamond Tavern, anywhere around the local bar park area. So, Jake, I just wanted to take a step back and go through your opening day traditions and what it means to you. Well, I, I love opening day. And it's it had been so hard to be an O's fan in this town for a long time, but Opening day was like the one day that it was okay. You know what I mean? Um, but I've been pretty lucky about opening day in the last uh, several years, really. Before we got uh, season tickets, uh, I, I had some great opportunities. When I got out of college, I worked at a consulting firm in D.C., and we did some business with the Sheridan Inner Harbor. And as a result, I got invited to this event at the Sheridan where they would serve all-you-can-eat ballpark food plus crab cakes and had an open bar for you know beer. Uh, that sounds very fancy. Yeah, until the game. So you started at 12. Uh, the, it ran until the game, which was 3 o'clock. Sarah and I used to go and you know get our fill at the Sheridan, and then we'd go over and sit in the hotel's auxiliary suite, which is uh, out in right field. Still you know, perfectly nice. And, um, well, eventually we stopped doing business with the Sheridan, but they left me on the list because they wanted to kind of woo us back. So every year, you realize that's probably the only person in the world that wants to woo you. I know, every year, they'd wine and dine Sarah and I, uh, so that they could get the business back. And then when I stopped working uh, for this particular firm, uh, it took a couple of years for the Sheridan to catch on and to take my name off the list. So uh, when they did start taking me off the list, what I do is I I call in uh, in early March and say, Hey, you know, I was there last year. My name is Jake English, um, but I haven't got my invite this year. So can you just send it out and I give them my my home address? And uh, it took a little while but eventually the the gravy train ran out 
Um, so after that, it was just a matter of getting tickets with the opening day, you know, four or five pack or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I love going to opening day. I do, I've done it a ton, a ton of years. Um, but last year, you know, <clears throat> we talked about it a little bit at the top, may have gotten, may have gotten a little excessive, a little dangerous. So, uh, this year, you know, I've made some resolutions that, that this is going to be a lot more lucid, uh, a few, few less slurred lines, if you will. And uh, basically just less apt to be uh, teased by my wife the following day. Yeah, so Jake is taking it easy this morning. He's not drinking excessively. Well, here's the problem. Because last year we decided we would go down to Pickles and have breakfast because they were doing that that you know breakfast bar. Sure, yeah. So we get there at 9 in the morning and we figure, okay, it'll be fine. Well, at that point they had stopped serving breakfast and they said, you can come in, but you've got to pay X dollars worth of it's like 40 of bucks. Yeah, yeah. You got at least 40 spend, bucks per person. Right. So we're like, oh. that's, a, that's a lot of drinks. I mean, at, at nine o'clock in the morning, it's like, whoa, you well, know, when we were 20, we could do that, but we're 30 now. So, so. we walked in and of course we were hungry because we were expecting to eat breakfast. So I may have had wings and beer for breakfast and it was just downhill from there. So this year, you know, I'm taking it slow. I'm sensing a trend here. Every single time we go downtown and you have wings, it generally ends very poorly. It's okay. Not, it's not true. <laughs> that is, that is totally, not, it's not causational. No. I, I'm seeing a cause and effect here. Every single time there's wings, it always ends up to Jake being really drunk. So I don't think it's the alcohol that gets you drunk. I think it's the wings. You think I need to lay off the wings? I, I think so. All right. Well, that's my experience with, with opening day. Uh, like I said, I, I really love it. Sarah and I uh, have gone down for a ton of years now. Do you have any special opening day traditions? Sure. Let me go through my opening day aspect. Um, so I've been going to Orioles games since I was a kid. Um, normally my dad would take me, um, he would either get tickets given to him or we would go and purchase tickets. But I can honestly say I had never gone to an opening day all the way up through my adulthood. So I never went as a kid or anything like that. And my first opening day actually was gifted to me by you, Jake. What? We, you know, an individual that works at Pickles. His name is Randy. I would recommend anyone that's listening to this podcast today to go to Pickles, go to Randy buy a drink from him and tip him nicely because he is the one that spurred me and got me tickets for opening day. So we were able to go to opening day with you. So Jake, in aspect, your my opening day tradition is being with you side by side and experiencing the game with you. Well, I'm just going to wipe a tear here and this gets uncomfortable for everybody else. So Jake, what can I say? You're the reason that I'm here today. Are you sure you haven't been drinking this morning? Oh, I can tell you right now I've been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, I love opening day. It's, it's fantastic. A uh, couple of quick things. I cannot wait to take my kids. Now, my kids are six and three, so it's obviously it's it's way, a little before the way time, too yeah. early for that. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. My dad uh, has come with us the past couple of years. He'll be with us again this year. Um, He's a bad influence, by the way. <laughs> he is a bad influence. Uh, but it's a great time. It's, uh, it's something I, I love doing, and I can't wait to share that with my own kids. It's funny because I actually included my daughter on some of the, the podcast prep uh, last night. Mm-hmm. And so it occurred to me uh, some time ago that she had no idea what music videos were. Uh, so, you know, we, we pulled, I, I started putting together some ideas for the interstitial music, and I, I picked that OK Go uh, song, and I realized that she, you know, she had no experience in the music video. So, uh, so I called her over the computer. It's like, come here, come here, come here. Watch these four guys on a treadmill. It's, it's really funny. So uh, play her the video. She's cackling like a buffoon. And then I started thinking, they, they've got some other cool videos. Like, have you seen the one where they do that machine? The machine that, thing is really cool, yeah. yeah. So uh, so I pull that one up next, and I, I've got her watching it. And then I get about halfway through. And by the way, I'm I'm like 
all gape at the at the video as well. Yes. And halfway through, I realized I don't really know the lyrics to the song. Yeah, you just, uh, just know how the video goes and everything. Maybe I should be a little more careful than this. So yeah. I, I conspicuously turn the sound down. I think you're fine with how they go. <laughs> conspicuously turn the sound down. But that was that was cool, and, and it was fun. You know, just it's that kind of it's that kind of stuff that has nothing to do with baseball, right? But opening day and these you know family traditions that people develop around the Orioles around opening day around this you know celebrating Baltimore and the community. I think that's really what makes opening day special. And it's, you know, whether it's hanging out with your friends, Scotty, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to hanging out today and seeing the Orioles beat the pants off the, the Red Sox. Just try to keep it together. Okay. <laughs> whether it's being with your family. Um, I, I think the, the real special opening day traditions is not really as much about the baseball as it is about the relationships that we form with baseball kind of in the background. I think it's all about the community. And again, I think last year was a perfect example of this, um, us joining together with the Baltimore Sports Report Network and basically growing the community and basically um, embracing Orioles fans that are just like us really makes me proud of opening day. Like you said, it's the one game I think of the whole season that you can go and you say, oh my gosh, there's all orange. I think the only other game that I've ever seen that happen um, outside of a playoff game was when we went to the September 6th game in 2012 when the whole crowd was orange and it was a Yankees game as well. And it was literally a great experience. Well, you remember that game because by the time September 6th rolled around, we knew 2012 was special. Correct. But before that, we really didn't. You know, remember that 17-inning game where Chris Davis closed out Mm -hmm. happened in May. Right. We'd only had two months. We didn't know that it was all going to be like that. The quote I think I made that day to my wife was, we will never see this happen again in my lifetime. I'm going to watch this until it is over. And she was just like, you're right. I don't think you're going to see this ever again. And luckily, we were able to see some other great moments. But I'm not sure if we're ever going to see Chris Davis. But the thing, about, the thing about that September 6th game was it was the best game at Camden Yards that I had seen in person since the 2009 opening day. Yeah. And here's the thing about 2009 opening day. Again, we were terrible. It was the one day where it was okay to be an O's fan. Right. But we went into that game. It was a Yankees game. Mm-hmm. There were way more O's fans than Yankees fans. We drowned them out, and the Orioles beat them. And it was as close to playoff atmosphere as I had ever been to in person because they had been terrible for so long. But that's that magic of opening day. Right. You know, it was a meaningless game. It was one out of 162 games, and frankly, we all knew it was going to be a tough season. But for that one day, it was perfect. Did you want to talk about 2011 opening day? No, okay. no I did not. Okay, we're not going to talk about that again. Okay, <laughs> all right. I I could I could wax political or, or uh, you know emotional about the Orioles all day, but instead I'd like to make fun of you. Let's go to Fantasy Boss. Oh, when it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting, oh baby, you sure do swing. All right, it is the return of our Fantasy Boss segment. Look, fantasy baseball is a thing. I really don't have the patience for it. It's a lot of work. So what we do here every week is we we basically go head-to-head on one category. What we do is we have somebody pick, and the person who picks then seeds the first pick to 
the other. So because I picked the, the roster more correctly than Scotty, I'm going to provide this week's category, and then he's going to have the opportunity to take his first pick for a player. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing this week. When we talked to Rob Goodwin of Red Sox Alley uh, last week, uh, Scott asked him about the Red Sox lineup, amazing uh, balls, uh, batting average with balls in play for 2013. Now, instead of calling it luck, Rob praised the Red Sox for their discipline and the number of pitches that they see. Boston makes opposing pitchers work, driving up counts, and putting hitters in the position to be successful. So for Fantasy Boss, for this week, we're going to take a look at the number of pitches seen. So, Scotty, here's the first Fantasy Boss for the week, for the games, until we talk again. Which which Orioles hitter do you think is going to see the most pitches? Hmm. I'll give you a hint. It's not Manny Machado. Yeah. I'm going to go with an oddball. You know who I would normally go with, but I'm actually going to go with Matt Wieters. Okay. That That is a, a pick. Yeah. Yeah. I think Matt Wieters is actually going to surprise us this week. Okay. I myself am also going to go a little off the beaten path. I'm going to take J.J. Hardy. Okay. I, I thought you were going to sure take Chris Davis. No, no. I, th- I think that uh, Chris Davis is going to be swinging. Okay. And I think he's going to be swinging hard. I'm not necessarily saying that's bad. I just uh, I, I don't think he's going to be as patient. Okay. Well, with that, predictions have been made. We'll see who uh, starts the season off on a winning streak. All right. We'll be right back. All right, it's that time again. It is time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'd like to see who had a good week, who had a bad week, and who embarrassed us to be Orioles fans. Now, this is our last week where we won't have actual stats to lean upon, because as you know, games begin today. As is our custom here, I'm going to go ahead and go first, mainly to let Scott have the last word at the ugly, because his rants are far superior to my own. This week... My good is going to be Jonathan Scope and Evan Meek for making the 25-man roster. Okay, I totally agree with you. Congratulations to both those players. But the one player I think deserves a good on this matter is Steve Clevenger. The aspect of Steve Clevenger making the 25-man roster, winning that backup catcher position, and also being a local boy from Pigtown, I think that's a feel-good story for any Baltimore fan. It's the aspect of, hey, I could be a Baltimore Oriole just like Steve Clevenger. Dude, did you read his his quotes about what it means to him to be, oh, yeah. that, that'll bring a tear to yeah, your It like, gets dusty. Tugging the heart string. <laughs> yeah. But that's just good, good stuff. I mean, that's he's my good for the week. All right. My bad for this week is Alfredo Aceves. And this is for two reasons. First, you couldn't make the club. You were an established major league pitcher and you just couldn't compete. That's bad. But secondly... You leave the Orioles organization because you're not willing to take their minor league deal, but instead you sign a minor league deal with the Yankees. That's bad. That is just bad. It's pretty bad. Uh, My bad for the week is going to go to Alexi Casilla. Um, He just had a terrible spring training. He was the favorite to be the utility infielder, and he gets demoted back to the minor leagues. He also cost me in fantasy boss so elixir casilla you're my bad for the week all right i I see that that personal connection there that's fine all right my ugly for the week is boston red sox fans at camden yards on opening day usually i have no problem with opposing fans who are polite 
opposing fans who enjoy the ball game, opposing fans that add something of value to the experience. If you're from Detroit and you come here and you just want to watch your club and you're there to have a good time, good for you. But Red Sox fans, on Orioles opening day at Camden Yards, you have no business being there. You're just wasting a seat. And frankly, if you're a Red Sox quote-unquote fan that lives in the state of Maryland, that was born here, that was raised here, and gave up on the Orioles because you got bored, you, sir, are on notice. You have no business taking up a seat at Camden Yards. I like it, Jake. I like it. I actually probably should have better to finish last, but mine is kind of going to go into a similar aspect my ugly for this week is the bandwagon. You know, last year, Red Sox fans were truly on the bandwagon. They finally gave up their sellout record going on to it because everyone said, oh, this is going to be a terrible team. And then all of a sudden, once they started winning again, people jumped on the bandwagon. You know, I, I love opening day, but at the same point, I also see a lot of bandwagon fans and bandwagon media get on for opening day and say, oh, we're here to support the Orioles. And then as soon as Wednesday happens, you won't hear anything from those fans or from the media about the Orioles anymore. Again, we talk about community and getting out there, but the aspect is this is a marathon. This is a situation for six months. You are dedicating yourself to the team. This isn't like football where it's you're playing on Sundays and you're playing for three months and you're just playing once a week. This is an aspect where day and night, you grind and you have to try to win as many games as possible. It's where my wife comes to me and says, great, I'm a widow for the next six months because I don't get to spend time with my husband. I'm going to try to fix that a little bit this year, but I can't promise everything. She can go to games, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, I posted an article from Andrew Stetko yesterday that I thought was a really good example of what it is for the baseball season. And it basically just goes back to the aspect of baseball is a marathon. Whatever happens today does not dictate the course of our season going forward. What dictates the course of our season going forward is our manager, the players that are on our team at this time, and the players that will be on the team in the future, and also our front office and the dedication they show us. So go out there today and support the team. But it doesn't end today. It ends in October. And hopefully it ends on a happy note. That's right. So Jake, I think it's time to uh, go ahead and blow the save. All right. With all apologies, I'm going to hop up on the soapbox today. That's fine. Um, I just wanted to mention something. You know, you and I had a dinner party on Friday night, and someone brought up the story of Jennifer Dempsey, uh, the 10-year-old girl who was struck in the head uh, by a, a ball during batting practice. Now, she underwent nine hours of emergency surgery for a fractured skull, broken cheekbones, and several other surgery or injuries. Now, the lawsuit said that she had suffered a traumatic brain injury, and the suit itself is seeking over $75,000. Now, it's very unlikely that this suit will be successful. Oriole tickets have a disclaimer on the back, and those watch out for batted balls, are uh, the signs are everywhere, like in spots where a ball would never, ever be. But this story isn't about what's reasonable and what's not, and it's not about some stupid fan who's trying to make a buck off the team. I think the real story here is walk a mile in somebody's shoes before you get critical. Because what the story is about is about a, the parents of a 10-year-old child whose lives came to a standstill when their little girl was critically injured in a freak accident. The medical bills associated with those injuries cannot be understated, and frankly, I don't blame the parents, even in the slightest, for going after the deepest pockets they can find at a time when they're financially strapped and heartbroken. Now, it's easy for us to laugh at ridiculous and frivolous litigation, but please remember that this case centers around a child, one who may never recover from this freak accident that happened at a place that we all love. And there's a distinct possibility that that family will never be made whole again, even if they do get money from the team. So I hate to, to end on a down note, but I wanted to bring this up because I've heard a lot of, of things said and things written 
you know, attacking the family for doing this. I'm not going to pass judgment. I'm not there. We've got kids. We know what that means. When your kid falls and scrapes their knee, you feel it. I, I can't even imagine what's going on here. Well, with that uplifting note. <laughs> Happy opening day, everybody. Happy opening day, everybody. We'll be out and about in Baltimore today. And if you want to, come see us in Section 324 today. That'll be our seats for the day. So come up and say, hey, who is that guy wearing that black fedora? Because that will be a member of Bird's Eye View. If you're looking for us, go ahead and tweet us at Bird's Eye View, B-A-L, and we'll be sure to get back to you. And as always, go O's, bring home a winner. And with that, I will bid you all a fond adieu, adieu. Good day, Baltimore. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.